Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Underpowered Hour on this week's show. We're joined by Alex and Rob from CAD Shop, makers of fine Land Rover Series 1 products. And now, without further delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the scuttle vent to Stephen's hermetically sealed cabin. I'm the fresh air of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, busy, busy episode this week. Finally, after the Ministry of Scheduling managed to negotiate terms with the CKD Shop Group, we have managed to secure an interview time and get them to uh, sit down and talk to us. It is, I, let me tell you, the world of pre-1500 restoration and parts supply, just a mad dash business. I mean, it's its like uh, Wall Street of the 1980s, you know, it sounds amazing. Like, yeah, it's amazing. There's just so much going on. Tough but fair negotiations, but no. we finally got them on the show and uh, really looking forward to this interview. These guys are great. Spent some time doing some trips with these guys in Australia, driven some Land Rovers with them. They're both great to have on trip and great to talk about Land Rovers, super knowledgeable and doing some fun stuff. So yeah, let's hear all about it. All right, let's uh, dial up the old uh, interview machine and we'll uh, get those boys uh, in here. All right, well, finally, uh, the much anticipated, often scheduled interview with our very good friends, Alex and Rob from CKD Shop. Uh, they're in the UK, purveyors of fine Series 1 Land Rover parts the world over. So, guys, welcome. Thank you for spending the time. Uh, it was uh, it was a hard schedule, but it's worth it because, uh, man, the people the people want to hear from you, you know? So yeah, well, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting us on. Um, and, yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah. So let's talk uh, quickly then about the CKD shop. First of all, before we even get into what the CKD shop is. Where did you guys come up with the name? How did you settle on CKD shop? Um, yeah. So, like, when I was, I suppose, building old Land Rovers, I always thought of Queensland, where I'm from, in Australia, all the cars were sent, most of the cars were sent after 1950 CKD, just completely knocked down. Um, so I sort of thought, well, if I ever do something to the parts for Land Rovers, it always be a cool name to actually link it to the fact that you're buying all the parts in pieces, you're never going to buy the whole vehicle. So it's like a, a kit of parts. 
Um, so yeah, it, it, it couldn't obviously be Land Rover, right? So I had to call it something else, and I think a lot of companies call their things after the name and the founder or something like that. But I thought, thought the Queensland connection and the really cool, you know, quirks of CKD vehicles um, that it was a cool name. So, I, I mean, Land Rover may be available now. I don't know. They don't seem to be uh, so bothered with uh, trying to keep hold of it. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you can, well, not yeah. too late to go after it. Yeah, well, well, I think that's really cool. I think it's neat. And obviously, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. The CKD cars are always, uh, you know, a bit uh, a bit different, uh, an interesting interesting uh, collection of parts and things. So uh, what a what better a name for the, like I said, preeminent Series 1 parts supplier, maybe the world over, certainly so far as manufactured uh, new parts for your Series 1 Land Rover. So talk to me a little bit about uh, what is it that the CKD shop uh, does? Why is it uh, such a fantastic uh, resource for, I mean, especially pre-1500 car owners, but for Series 1's owners, uh, you know, sort of full up? I guess we kind of we realised that there was a market for um, panels initially. You know, that's, that was the sort of the creation wasn't of CKD as the sort of theoretical side of it. But it was more about trying to make parts that we knew were going to fit on the vehicle and not require a load of fettling, a weekend lost, you know, to fit a tiny little part and. We just got hacked off it, didn't we? And we were at a point whereby we'd kind of done the doors, we'd done the, we'd done the tailgates, um, and, you know, sold a few of them and realised, yeah, there is a bit of a market there, you know, for these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it just kind of grew next, didn't it? You know, quite quickly. And we're now, what, 1,070 something? Yeah, 1,070 products available, you know, on the Series wow. 1 specific stuff. Um, That's like more than an, uh, an, an, than a Series One. You can build a whole car. You can, <laughs> you can literally order a CKD Alex, from CKD. Alex, he knows the exact number. So you're you're two thirds of the way to uh, just being able to get a kit to become a kit car company for uh, for Series One. <laughs> well, no idea originally. Yeah, like our thing was not. It was more the fact that what sort of what being remote from Australia. Kind of what hacked me off was the orders from every single place to get my car built was unbelievable. You could go to like 10, 15 places and still not get all the parts you need. Right. And it used to cost so much in shipping and you used to spend so much time and you forget where you bought something. And it was from some manager and you found it on a forum or we did this. And we're like, this is just a place you can just buy everything in one place because I just can't like, be dealing with it constantly. You know, it's just tight. It's just tight. So long. Yeah. And it's tight. Like on a Sunday night after the, you know, used to wait like on Monday night. So when the UK worked on Thursday back to work in Australia, I used to work like a load of stuff. And I got it all at DHL. I had it by Friday. And I had my next weekend's amount of stuff to bolt on my car. And then it was like a repeated process. I'm like, but this is so frustrating because you'd be buying like three packages from different places. And some of them would come quick. And one of them would use that courier. It was just like, this is... Like really hard. So, yeah. What's what's the most frustrating experience you've had with an ill-fitting aftermarket part? And I I, I say this, <laughs> and I might know the answer, but oh man, um, frustrating or dangerous? 
Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what would be the most like, big hitter item that's the most frustrating thing? Probably, probably like anything machining that just doesn't fit. Yeah, on, like, axle collars. Axle collars. Yeah, that's, that's like probably pretty much. That's, that's never like a very fun thing. Safety critical item. What about what about cam bearings? <laughs> yeah, 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 cam bearings. Yeah. You want to get into that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's it is like again. Gaskets, gaskets and stuff, yeah, it's very annoying. You know, there's knob um, tabs that don't actually match up to the holes and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so when you tighten them up, they kind of pivot around each other. And, yeah, that's like, yeah. I, I got, I got, I can remember uh, buying a genuine set of gaskets and being like, oh my gosh, these are going to fit and they're going to be so great, I'm not going to have to mess with them. And they were so old that they had, they had shrunk down quite a bit. That's what, I was like, I was like probably probably 18 years old or something at the time i was so disappointed because i had spent all this money on on new old stock gaskets but they were we've, we've all been there we are yeah, kind of some of yeah. Stuff is not fun. yeah particularly yeah gaskets yeah suffer probably the worst i'm gonna say long term in, in terms of like storage things but yeah axle axle collars safety critical item brakes stuff brakes stuff like the brakes wheel cylinders wheel cylinders yeah that's a good point um yeah. i mean the, the thing that i guess frustrates is yeah, particularly with the axle collars, is that it's not a hard part to make. Yes. It really, really isn't. You know, this is not rocket science level machine. This is pretty simplistic machine. But to get it, you know, to get something that actually has a decent amount of tonnage against it when you're pushing it on, without it cracking, which was a weird one that we saw the other day for the first time, a collar that actually vertically fractured going Unusual. on. Unusual. Yeah, that was on that was on Facebook, so who knows what was going on. But hey, you know, like it's um, it, yeah, it you know, it's interesting. Better. You you say that it's it's not rocket science, but it it, it is difficult. You know, like uh, choosing the right material, and uh, you, even if you can make a piece that's dimensionally accurate to the original, mm -hmm. you know, it still needs to have the same properties as the original in order to work properly. And that's, I think, the part that. Um, is missing from a lot of aftermarket manufacturers that technical yeah, knowledge of materials. It's, it's lack of basic reverse engineering knowledge. So, okay, what kind of material is this made from? Okay, I'll take it to an electron microscope, get it spectrographed, and then mm -hmm. figure out what the grade of material is that I need to make it from. What surface finish should it be? Well, you go to a decent machinist, and they'll be able to tell you what grade the finish of that actual same same color is. In terms of it's got to run on a seal, a seal of lip that's got to run on it, so it can't be obviously unbelievably, you know, rough machine finish. So yeah, it, it's it, there's a, it's a combination of things that I think all stack up, and then you end up, you know, up up the creek with no power. Then you, then you end up with a wheel that's fallen off. <laughs> that yeah. just falls yeah. off your car, yeah. yeah. Which we've seen in the past. <laughs> so yeah, and it, and it's not nice, and you're like, yeah. well. That, you know, that's, that's not good there in the office, but hey, you know, it happens. Actually, on that, and this is totally not a plug, we've just done, is it 100 of each? Yeah, we've done a test run. We've just done a test run of 100 for front half shafts and 100 the rear ones. Finally got around Finally got around to doing it. Um, and this is no bearing on the frustrations that we've just vented. It's just 
it's been on our radar because we knew that the genuine parts ones were going to run out. And yes, that's the other thing. We'd only ever fit that on our vehicles anyway. Right. Um, so, yeah, so coming to your market soon will be CKD shop. And not as so expensive. Yeah, they won't mind on the there you go, great price as well. So, yeah. <laughs> and so, so tell us a little bit about your product <laughs> testing. So, so how do you make sure they don't fall off? Dry one one six four. Yeah, put some on. Ten thousand miles. Yeah, yeah, put some glass on. Um, so again, it's basic uh, engineering principles of assembly. So assemble it properly. Ensure you're getting a decent amount of tons into it from the press. Um, and not like one or one and a half, which we see quite regularly, you know, with some of these things that we've had in the shop where people complain that, you know, their half shaft has already started to creep. And we try, we then obviously split it apart and you're only taking, you know, a ton, ton and a half. And you're thinking about actual loadings when a vehicle's going around a roundabout, for instance, yeah. you know, when it's, so it's probably at its highest loading of force. Um, and how that would happen, and it would then obviously you know start to creep. So that type of thing. Um, it's designed. Uh, well, it was reverse. Ours have been reverse engineered from genuine original new old stock ones. So we've got an interference fit, you know, to play with on the drawings. Um, and then obviously finding a machinist that a you know you can put your faith in, but also figuring out, you know, the material grade and all the other like, basic stuff to then build it all up into something that is a like-for-like -like, uh, product to the original, which is what we, you know, have done or have tried to do with all the parts that we sell. You know, we said, if we're not willing to fit it onto our own vehicle, then we simply won't sell it. And, you know, it's simple like the that. hair club for men, you're, you're not just uh, the owners, you're also uh, customers, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as Al just mentioned, you know, our, my my forty eight model is our kind of test mule, and that's done over done well done over ten thousand miles now in various guises with different shock absorbers on it, the, the tires on it have done ten thousand miles. You know, that are um, multiple rear tires that we sell, and they've still got tread on them, so they can't be that terrible. Um, you know, think, things like that that you look yeah. at, and you use it in different environments, so hot, cold. You know, measure it, get all basic kind of, I guess, vehicle manufacturing testing. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds very similar to how yeah. the original car was developed, right? That, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the much. factory would iterate new parts or new versions or new uh, methods, and uh, they would just stick them to a car and send them out into a field somewhere. Exactly, yeah. Actually properly field test it, and then obviously explore, you know, the viability of, okay, this is not great, we need to improve, you know, X, Y, and Z, and, and then, you know, move on from there. So this is this is actually a good segue. So that's kind of your philosophy in terms of, you know, making some of these reproduction parts. Obviously, you know, there's some folks out there that would say, okay, yeah, you could solve this problem by putting a fully flow axle in the back of your Series 1. So maybe tell us a little bit about your restoration philosophy or your philosophy when it comes to these vehicles. Well, I think we... We aim for, for, for genuine, as, as original and authentic correctness. Yeah, even fitting a tow bar. Uh, one of our customers asked us to fit a 50 mil, you know, modern style tow bar on the back of his beautiful lady. Um, and uh, we were like, I don't really want to do this because it's not, it's not authentic. So we came up with a, a, the original um, 
jaw type tonar and then modify the pin 50mm hitch to go into it. So you can change out the original style pin, put the 50mm pin in when he wants to tow his trailer, and then take it back out and put the original one in when he's not. So it still looks authentic. Um, That's really cool. Yeah, That's really cool. things like that. I mean, and the trailer socket. Yeah. And the trailer socket as well. We had to come up with a way of hiding that. Right. So a little mount that basically folds it up behind the rear cross member. A bit like so, the defender, actually. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like that. Uh, do yeah, you still do you have the uh, the instruction uh, manual though for the new defender the uh, the somewhat uh, illumined? Uh, yeah. I know the one. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, we figured yeah. you knew the one we were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I think everybody knows that one. Yeah. 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 It's a very questionable illustration. That definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm told that Jerry uh, McGovern actually drew that up himself. That was, uh, <laughs> was uh, he originated yeah. that one. So what that says about him but uh yeah it's uh it was uh yeah it's a good yeah, bit of engineering. I, mean, I think our biggest kind of number one philosophy is we try to get the vehicle as close to the original factory specification as it was mm -hmm. within the realms of modern day paint systems etc etc that you have available at the time of restoration right now, that's not to say that things might improve and you might be able to get the authenticity you know up another level you know in 10 years time or, or whatever but where we are right now we try to achieve what we can you know in terms of the authenticity but also the like for likeness against the original uh, vehicle and build date right, right down to you know yeah. individual number changes and what have you that level of detail is where we operate at right now, you know, these vehicles are old enough that you, you're starting to see vehicles that have been previously restored getting restored it's a again. second restoration. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's interesting that you bring that up. So do you, you feel like uh, the vehicles are getting more authentic than they used to be? You know, which is kind of counterintuitive. You think the closer to the manufacturing date, the, <laughs> right. the closer they would be to being original, but it seems like there's more of a focus from restorers on originality. So originality is a funny thing. I think as soon as you've used that first tank of petrol, your car is no longer original. Let's face right. it. You know, like how, how far do you want to take? Yeah, take that's it. But people are going to pretty extreme lengths, yourselves included, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I think yourselves may be principally among, <laughs> among many. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we, we strive to get, as I say, the vehicles as, as authentic as we can, and we will scour the world, you know, for that individual part or, or component that we need. Mm -hmm. uh, to make that vehicle, you know, onto the level that we deem uh, acceptable for what we want to strive to achieve, I guess, you know, as a, as a company, you know. And it's interesting you mentioned about vehicles having been restored previously and then them being re-restored because, you know, it's like another reset kind of button again. Um, we've actually got a, uh, a dark green 49 coming in early next year for restoration. It was restored, what, in the 90s, would mm -hmm. you say? Yeah. With, with what was available at the time in terms of knowledge, and paint, you know, all the other bits and pieces that we've done. And it was done to a pretty decent standard. Um, but the most critical thing with this particular car is, is that they didn't um, change or exchange any of the original componentry. So, for example, it still has its original sealed dyno, um, mm. still has its RF96 regulator, you know, which are all dated, you know, specifically to the vehicle. So, somebody cared about it 
you know, when it was done a long time ago, and we're just going to take it and then reboot it again, but take it to our level, um, you know, in terms of like, well, for example, the pop rivets on it are wrong, and we redid all the pop rivets, you know, again, well, basically reinvented the wheel, didn't we, with the tooling and everything else, and made how many did we make it? They are, they are, they are. Yeah, too, too many, but it had to work out on a cost basis. So we made like 100,000 of these pot rivets, but if you put one of our rivets next to an original one in a cavern, you'll see that the rivet head is very flat, and that's the way they work. You know, it, yeah. it's not a normal pot rivet that you can get from, I don't know, Costco or wherever you have in the States. You know? Yeah, Costco <laughs> yeah. doesn't sell rivets, but I understand what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah same thing. Um, but yeah, so I think that's kind of fundamentals, isn't it? Yeah. We definitely are rivet panels. Yeah. That's fantastic. So much so you've literally built your own rivet. So that's, yeah, that's a... That's a... Yeah, every, everything that was available was yeah. not authentic. And sure. when we were dealing with um, JLR, you know, back in the day, and they were doing the reborn program, they were like, okay, so what rivets do we use? And we were like, well, nobody makes them. You know, you can't get, you might be able to get a small batch of new old stock ones from right. some crazy part in the world, but that's never going to fulfill the quantities that you guys are going to need to do all these cards. So we're like, okay, we'll, we'll just make them. And, and that's what happened. Yeah. Um, it happened with quite a few things. And we've got items on our inventory that Alex and I view of viewers things that were really nice to have yeah, complete and utter waste of money because the, the cost of reinventing it versus the actual sale cost in terms of what you can get in the market right. is minimalistic but, but yeah, yeah I mean you're never going to get them again and that's the thing so it's like we'll, we'll just have so, to so uh, this brings up another interesting, you know, debate, which is, uh, you know, these vehicles have lived a long life and there's a lot of things that have happened to them along the way, some significant, some insignificant, you know, and, and some people, you know, want to preserve the, the story of the life of the Land Rover, not just return it to a new state. You know, yeah. what, where do you draw the line? How do you decide, you know, what to keep and what to get rid of if it's been previously modified or changed by a, a previous owner but maybe in an interesting way or in a way that tells a story as part of its history well an example of that i'm trying to think of car we had something that was oh, the trailer yeah i mean that's an example yeah like that was that was originally a body side pickup yeah so we did a um it was a 109 trailer and now mm -hmm. um, wasn't actually a trailer. It arrived to us as a 109 truck cab with a completely destroyed rear body, which is pretty often the case with Australian, you know, Alamedia. Yeah, they just get that absolutely broken apart. And this one had had a really hard life. It was painted among, yeah, pink and blue, and it was like all manner of, you know, colors under the sun. And it had obviously worked really hard, but had survived. And it, it survived, interestingly enough, with its original drivetrain and their engine gearbox yeah. and everything else. The only reason all the gears are in the gearbox is because they're in a box. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It, it is, it is, I mean, the gearbox was severely broken. I mean, mm -hmm. it was probably 
one of those things of when it came back from being rebuilt, the weight of the stuff that came out of the gearbox was equal, if not more, than what went back in because it was that badly worn. Gained like, mass somehow. Yeah, the Stratum had a field day out of that. Um, but yeah, so this particular vehicle, it was decided that the owner wanted to do a patina restoration on the car, but try to get it back to its original spec as far as achievable without going crazy and fitting new panels and all this other kind of stuff. So, like, the wings were pretty badly beaten up um, and they had extra lights fitted in. So we got the panel beaded straight as best as we could, had the light holes welded up, and then got a paint match of the dove grey, but like a patina faded out one, and then painted that in to match the rest of the panel. So you wouldn't realise that it had actually been, you know, been repaired. Um, and then the trade map came about as part of a conversation with the owner, whereby we were like, okay, if you want to go down this line and you want to repair that rear body, it's going to cost a huge amount of money and it's probably not really going to be worth it in the long scheme, you know, the grand scheme. Why don't we do what the Aussies would have done locally when the vehicle became, you know, in a state whereby it was no longer usable, which was fed a steel, you know, steel frame tray with a wooden deck um, and keep it authentic because then it, it's a CKD built car in Australia and it's got a cool tray back on it. It's part of the story. Yes, it's, uh, it was a 58. Very late. It was when it was at that point where they recorded stage one. So stage two, um, the Jager Manalena of Australia or whatever at the time, Rover, had had three stages in the CKD process. One, two, and three. One was from the early 50s. The lower components were made in Australia, like the rims and the tyres and some of the panels. Stage two was pretty much all the body was made in Australia. Um, chassis in Australia, welded together in Australia. Um, all the electrical components were from Australia. So pretty blue, everything. Um, basically half the car. Stage three was supposed to come into force around about 59, but in the budget wasn't there for Series 2 to do it, and that was the engine and the actual casing to be made in Australia. And basically the whole car would be almost Truly fully low of content. Yeah, but that never happened. This car was probably cool because it had an Australian port, Lucas Australia, an Australian dynamo, it had an Australian regulator. So it was interesting because it was one of the cars that was right at the end with the maximum mm. content. Some of those cars had Australian wheels too, right? All the cars from 52, 53, mm -hmm. right through to the 1970s had Australian wheels. Yes, I did. Right. So the Santana of the South Pacific, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that works. That and, the, and, and the later reborns of 2017 also got Australian-made RNA troops, you know, which were made off the same tool that was used in 1952. Mm -hmm. So that was still, was still in South Australia at the time, RNA wheels in Thompson Park, which were making wheels for Holden Toyota at the time, and we were lucky enough to still have, have the tool. We still have the tool, yeah. and they still could press off with the amount of tools that particular steer we had to order. They did a batch of Parenti reels yeah. and yeah. a batch of Series 1 wheels because they had to buy a certain amount of this particular steel for wheel reels, which is obviously safety critical. Um, so 
Similar to the space program. I'm not sure how we've moved backwards in the last, uh, since the 1960s. Well, you, but, you know, you used to be able to throw people at a problem, right? And that's very yeah. difficult nowadays. You you don't have that as a, as a resource, you know. Uh, manpower used to be like a legitimate way to get things done. And uh, huge yeah. machines that well, don't exist. There's the people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's twice right. as many parts as our competitor, and let's make it the same. Try to make it the same price, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wagons are another world of fun. Let's face it, like yeah. Wagons are something else. There's so many little pieces in those cars. It's it's ridiculous. So you guys, you guys source a lot of the vehicles for customers, and you restore them. You know, tell us a little bit about one of the favorite uh, vehicles that you've managed to find. Negotiating uh, technique. Do you start drinking with them before you start negotiating? Yeah, absolutely. 
and then you're not actually drinking. It's like this is, you know. <laughs> the negotiation <laughs> happens towards the end of the bottle, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I went into into town to get a like passed around for an engine frame because I was trying to piece this car together. And I went to this local garage and I got talking to the guy and he was like, "Oh yeah, I know where there's a 48 model." I'm like, "Whatever," you know. Like everybody knows where there's a 48 model just because it's got the lights behind the grill. It's certainly yeah, it's a 48. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 I've got a picture of it on my phone. I'll, I'll come back later. Anyway, he came back later, and lo and behold, it was this chassis ID tag, and it was number 2,731. And he was like, it's really remote. You know, if, if you're going to go and get this, it's like two or three days' drive into the middle of nowhere, and it's in terrible condition. And we were like, okay, cool. The sound awesome. It's great. <laughs> Go in contact with the owners, and they were like, "Yeah, come and get it." So we were okay. Got some more pictures, and it had been on a been on a floodplain in the station dump for a really long time. Probably like, um, years. Yeah, yeah, leave. Yeah, I mean, it was fifty. It was buried. The mud had come up over almost to the lower side of the chassis, so we had to come kind of dig it out when we got there. But it didn't have any half shafts, wheel, like stub axle assemblies, or anything like that. So everything that we needed, we had to take with us to go to this remote location to dig, you know, dig this vehicle out, get it on all four wheels, and then drag it out of the bush, basically. Meanwhile, this is all done for in three degrees. Yeah, it was like Christmas time, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, obviously the worst time to go yeah. into the outback when it's, you know, unbelievably hot, but challenging and fun nevertheless. Um, and yeah, so we went, went on this really big drive out to this place, met the station, like owners who thought we were absolutely crazy to go and get this old Land Rover out of the dump, and they were like, "These guys are getting rid of our scrap for free. This is amazing." Um, you know, like, what more could you want? Um, but this is way back in 2017. So this is before there was a lot of hype, you know, media hype and media drive about these, you know, about these vehicles. So arguably, it was the right time to, to be doing. There's a lot of seats in there. There's lots of there's 50 miles in there. And that was it. Yeah, what did we stay in the sheep shearing shed? Yeah, we stayed, they put us up in their sheep shearing shed. We had to supply the beer, so we loaded up the back of the year 90, didn't we? We loads and loads of beers. I only had a 90 that stage, so I was just tying. Yeah. That was difficult. That was yeah. yeah, especially because <laughs> the trailer that Alex had had made was very bomb-proof, and um, yeah, it's it's built to survive the outback. You know, the world in which people have no real grasp of what a road is. I mean, right. This to get to that station, yeah, it's a Burkwanari road, and to call it a road. Would, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it gets all chewed up in the rainy season, and you end up with these unbelievable ridges where all these road trains come through, and it's pretty much like washed out kind of you. And you try to go down the side of it because it's trying to go from the middle would just be charged, just, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, the um, gearbox was smacking the side of the underside of the seat box. It was that bad. And we tried every speed, couldn't get the oscillations right on the whole thing. And then we did one quarter light, bang, pop, oh, yeah. drops, and then we're like, oh, that's bad. It's getting a bit hot. And then we did a whole rear window. So then we had smash tape up beer bowl boxes to cover the rear, because the amount of dust was coming in. 
So the, the the conditions of this recovery were the memorable part, not necessarily the vehicle itself? Well, I mean, the vehicle at the end of the day, it was a nice, original, um, well, worked and used 48 model, um, and it got restored back to, you know, factory original spec by, by the Reborn, you know, program, which was a great thing to see from the whole start to finish, you know, process, and to be able to be not only involved in the recovery, but also be the leading guy, you know, on the restoration as well of this bit, which was, and we got like, met the owner, you know, who bought the vehicle and was able to, you know, tell him all the story about, you know, how we went and got it, how crazy it all was. So, yeah, it's like, it's a complete it's, yeah. it's quite original, like, it was um, and um, basically, yeah, it, um, yeah. It was a good thing. We found a few cars on that trip. I mean, they're all in paddle. You're, you're one of finding um, 855 you know, in terms of like tracking that, that, yeah. that was done as well. Dealer sales records, you know, using them and the family names and researching the family names and seeing where that takes you and, you know, how far you can go, you know, with it. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you, you find a gem, you know, at the, at the, end, of the, at the end of the search. And, Sometimes you just come up against a brick wall whereby nobody remembers the vehicle or it was scrapped. You know? But we just, we kind of, we're like a dog with a bone, you know, we really go after something until we can absolutely prove that it's dead. And up to that point, it's still alive and it's still somewhere and we've just got to work hard and basically... Well, we've got buried, that's the same. You know, we yeah, bullets. They're buried and we know they're buried, but like... The next generation of crazy enthusiasts are going to dig them up. So yeah, the Volkswagen guys dig stuff up. Yeah, it'll be Lamarover archaeology. You know, yeah. Somebody, somebody uh, will do it. Um, there'll be an X-ray or something on the ground. You'll be able to pick it up. Well, there's like a dinosaur or something. I'm sure we can look at an 80-inch under the ground. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, <laughs> yeah. If it gets to that, I'm like, I want to be on well they're not making more right so some people are going to get desperate over time to, to find their next original car i mean like this this one behind us we just we're actually handing it over to the customer tomorrow um that alex had known about this particular car for quite a long time and um, and it was it's basically with the second owners and the, the chap bought it from a station who had part dismantled it with an idea of fitting a, a straight six a Holden engine, common thing in Australia. Um, and they just abandoned it basically in the 70s in the corner of the shed. I think you didn't know that. Was it really? Well, okay, right. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. six or So, yeah, and essentially it had sat like that. It had been recovered by this chap who had great intentions of, of doing it, but unfortunately never got around to it. Um, and Alex expressed an interest in you know, getting it. Um, and one day, which just it. happened to coincide without being back in Australia, and he rang him up and said, Right, I'm selling the car, come and get it now. And I was like, Right, okay, I'm driving overnight. And, <laughs> and it was as simple as that. And away it went. And this is um, 5040, 
and it's all original paint. You know, the paint on this car is as it was. Um, the rear body is the straightest rear tire that we've ever come across. Mm. The chassis even has weird stenciling on it. It's got F. It's light green. It's still got all light green. Yeah, it's still got light green paint. Huge amount of light green paint, which, you, as I said, you know, it's very rare to find. You know, the, the earlier vehicles with paint still on them. Um, you know, there's plenty of nice dark green examples, you know, cruising around. But mm -hmm. the light and indeed the, the light green and silver chassis cars were obviously even rare, you know, in their original state. But yeah, to be able to do this and get it back to the UK and then have a customer who's like, right, I want something really cool. It's got to be patinaed and it's got to be original. Um, and I want it to be a light green car. And we're like, that's really difficult, but it just so happened to have secured one, yeah. you know, in the last six months or something, and they're really difficult to find, and yeah. basically, you know, here it is, take it or leave it. And it's got the early ground wall bag. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the, um, that has only, that has only, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, but yeah. it was actually, what, 9.49, early 50 dark green cars. Yeah. Very short time, and I don't know what the reason that bad was other than some marketing thing. It must have been marketing, but yeah, it didn't last. Seems long, redundant so. with the other one on the grill, but uh, it is a really cool one. We'll have to put up a close-up picture of those. I think I have yeah. one. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you one. Of, excuse me. Oh, um, it's it's one of those things that it was obviously a souvenir uh, hunters like thing that people just stole off the wings when they vehicles got parked up because right. yeah. finding one. Is really rare, um, mm. you know, and it's cool that this one somehow, you know, survived. I think it's purely because the amount of owners that this vehicle has is obviously very minimalistic, and it hasn't been through loads of changes of hands, which obviously help you know, maintain the vehicle's you know, originality. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a cool thing to do an earlier car as a patina vehicle that's not our own vehicle as well, because obviously. Patina cars are really um, subjective to the customer, and we've, you know, had a, had a real good time with like things that Alex and I have looked at and gone, well, we wouldn't necessarily want to change that, or we would recommend that you change this or revert this back to its original state. And the customer might turn around and say, well, actually, no, I kind of like it the way it is, or yeah, you know, you should you need to straighten out that wing a bit because yeah. it's got a great big dent in it. Well, that kind of thing. We do try to leave. Much. Try and leave them as, as authentic as they are, but make them safe and serviceable. I think that's a problem. I think that that's a good point. You know, uh, I think, um, you know, anytime you've got a, a restoration, you know, there's always going to be some subjectivity in how things were done. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if, if it's intentional, if there's a reason behind it, I think it makes a much better uh, end result. You know, if everything's well thought through and you've, you've considered... Uh, you know, the parts you're using and the methods you're using. And uh, I think that's really great that that's what you guys are doing. So thank you again for explaining that and telling us all about your process and philosophy. That's, uh, that's really great. Um, now, are you ready for the lightning round? It is the world over known as the most difficult uh, set of Land Rover-based questions uh, administered by one of the most difficult uh, Land Rover people. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. So since we have two of you, we're going to have to alternate answers. And if you're not familiar, it's quick questions. 
and very brief, you know, gut responses. And uh, these are slightly tailored to you, you in particular. But uh, we'll start with Alex, and then we'll go to Rob. And then the last question, and I need a response from both of you. Sure. You ready? Ready. All right. Alex, petrol or diesel? Diesel. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting. Controversial. Controversial. Not too many Series 1 diesels out there. Light green or bronze green, Rob? Uh, Light green. Every time. Every time. All right. Alex, Siamese or spread boar? Um, I'd say, I'd say Siamese. Oh, oh, that is, a, that is the the wrongest correct answer I've ever heard. Wow, it's so bad. It's so bad. But I, I know this is the lightning round that's going to break up this team. Rob's going to. Yeah. I didn't even. I, it's like I don't even know you. I don't even know you. Rob, narrow or wide transom? Oh, um, wide transom. It's good. Yeah, I get. Stick with the early stuff. You know, that's, that's, where, the, that's where the cool, cool, cool shit happens. Yeah. All right. Alex, ring pull or part-time four-wheel drive? Ring pull. Ring pull. All See, right. I like part-time because then you can do donuts and stuff. <laughs> Especially in the snow. <laughs> All right. And final question. Response from both of you. Best way to remove gear oil from your underpants? I don't know. Uh, brake clean. Oh, brake clean. clean. Bold. Yeah. Spicy. Oh, bold. Spicy. Yeah. Second thing inside the washing machine, maybe. What do you mean, like stain Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that. Yeah. But then it stinks your washing machine out completely as well. So this is yeah. a de- you guys are debating this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, by the way. It's a perfect insight into their process right here. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I recommend that. Yeah. The dog collets are stain remover, the same amount of dog yeah. 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 Dog's like, I'll just eat them. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's a weird. There's a fundamental error. You know, it's you. Yeah. So, but yeah. um, I know I did, so you're 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 one of the cat person. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and how this you know business relationship works, I don't know on that basis alone, but it right. does. So, you know. Well, I think we've we've definitely learned some things uh, here about this uh, relationship. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. You guys got all the all the answers correct. Very impressive. Well done. Yeah, well really? done. Well done. Really? Did Ex- we? Expert. Oh, yeah. Expert. Everyone. Flawless victory. Expertly yeah. executed. Yeah. Well done. Well done. All right, boys. Well, hey, it has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you and uh, hear the stories of how this whole uh, operation, this whole scheme, if you will, came about. And uh, we, uh, we wish you uh, tons of uh, luck going forward. And I promise that uh give me maybe another year and i will paint my uh tub and uh panels and stuff from you and put it on my yeah get it done get it done yeah it's uh you know it's happily tucked away in its crate where it's been for a couple of years but we'll get to it i promise it's on the list (laughs) so (laughs) it's vintage now somebody's gonna find that and they're gonna be like this is a vintage cqd tub (laughs) for a new old stock tub (laughs) no no it's, it's just been sitting around forever all right boys well hey thanks again and uh, all the best thank you very much James. Thanks, James. Yeah. all right well hey 
you know what? I love those guys, the two of them. They're like a, a, an old married couple and uh, just love them. They're going to become Statler and Waldorf from the Muppets before long. That's you know? right. Watching a Land Rover drive by and be like, ah, those rivets are too much of a dome on those rivets. Look at that valve stem it's coming out the spoke instead of between the spokes. Oh, anyway, right. right. Wow. Yeah. Super, good times. super good great times. to super hear good. some about the uh, the work that they're doing and some of the vehicles they're restoring. And, and if you uh, haven't been to the CKD shop website, it's just fun to look around in, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, great. they have their web, you know, store and thing. The ability to look up parts on their, you know, on their website is it is really fantastic. And if you do have a vintage Land Rover, specifically a Series 1 Land Rover. It is, there's just simply no better place. I mean, it is really cool. They do a really good job. That's ckd.co.uk. And you can order everything right through their website. Yeah, we're going to definitely, definitely do more with those guys. I, I love Alex and Rob, but they're a fun bunch. So unfortunately, uh, because of all the talk of uh, flattened head uh, rivets this week, we uh, have run out of time for Ike's review of uh, Nando's, but we will get that in a future episode next time. If next you time. haven't yet gone to our YouTube channel, uh, why not head on over there now? Check that out. What are you doing? Are you driving? I mean, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Put the Tesla into self-drive. Put your 80 inch into self-drive by sticking a broom handle or something through the steering wheel and dial up the old uh, YouTube. Check out some content on there. And also, if you feel like getting yourself a tiny Ike sticker to affix to your car or maybe a T-shirt, something like that, head on over to underpoweredhour.com and check out the shop. We got all kinds of stuff in there. And hey, the holidays are coming up, you know, buy early, buy often, buy underpowered hour. All right, Ike. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you uh, again. And thanks to the CKD guys. And I'll see you next week. All right. See you on the trail. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.